Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. To Pastor Byron and Candice and to the entire Thrive Church family, I just want to say that I miss you, that I love you, that I'm praying for you. I have such incredible memories of my time with you all. And while I can't be there in person, I have the incredible privilege of being able to share a message with you today that I've entitled Setbacks to Comebacks. I believe that what we're experiencing right now is the greatest setback of our generation. And yet I believe that we are poised for the greatest comeback of our generation. So I pray this word blesses you. I pray this word encourages you. And I pray that you're lifted and stirred in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so excited about the message that I have to share with you today. I believe that if we take this into our heart, my prayer is that you would receive this word, that it would encourage you, that you would activate this word because I believe destinies can change. I believe marriages can be restored. I believe individual purpose can be restored to people's lives. I wanna talk to you on the idea of setbacks to comebacks, setbacks to comebacks. I haven't met a person that doesn't love a good comeback. As a matter of fact, Hollywood has tapped into the idea of a comeback. When you look at your favourite movie, think about your favourite movie and it has within its plot the idea of that it sets a character up, someone that you are drawn to, someone that you connect to and then that character always has a setback and then ultimately at the end of the movie, there's a comeback. We love this idea. In a romance, it's the nerd at school. It's the person that was never popular. You, you feel drawn to them because you go, oh, I want them to win. And they have setback after setback. But ultimately, by the end of that romance, there's a comeback. If it's an action movie, my favourite movie series of all time, this is just my opinion, is the Rocky movies. I know for some people they're crazy and they're corny, but there's something about it. And even though I know the end of the movie, even though I know he's going to make a comeback, in round 15 right at the end. He's been beaten black and blue, but I know he's going to win. Still, I get butterflies within me. What is it that stirs that? I know as a father of an 11-year-old daughter, an 8-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old daughter, I've got to confess, I've watched the entire Tinkerbell series of movies. And even in the Tinkerbell movies, Tinkerbell is set up as someone that you just find an affinity with, you find an affection for, and then Tinkerbell makes mistakes. She has a Setback. She lets someone down. She goes beyond her boundaries. But by the end of the movie, it's all restored and she makes a comeback. We find ourselves being drawn and attracted to the comeback. And I wonder why that is. My opinion is that that exists because somehow we all see ourselves in the story. We start out life full of ambition, full of dream, full of hope. I look at my own girls and they've got this hope and this aspiration and this sense that anything's possible. But then in life, we all have setbacks and we all want our own story to end with a comeback. We all want it all restored. We want that relationship restored. We want that business restored. We want that situation turned around. We want that dream that we once had that's had a setback. We want it restored. We want our purpose restored. By its very nature, a comeback exists because of a setback. And we find ourselves right now in a moment in history 
that our generation is facing its greatest setback of a generation, which also means that we are poised for the greatest comeback of our generation. Setbacks have happened to the greatest of men and women of God. Have you experienced a setback? Have you experienced a moment in your life, whether it's through the current circumstances or even through recent years where you go, I started with dream and ambition and purpose and life and hope and expectation, but I've experienced setbacks. Well, let me tell you, this message is for you because there's a comeback available to each one of us. We're going to look at one of God's great men of faith, a man called Elijah. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. You'll be able to follow the Scriptures. are going to come up on screen. You'll be able to follow with me. But Elijah, we'll read about in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, the two preceding chapters, that Elijah is this incredible man of faith, this man who stood up against kings that would oppose God, this man that was faithful to God, this man that when there was barrenness, God provided food from ravens from heaven. He experienced these extraordinary miracles. He was cared for by a widow, this widow that was running out of resource and he brings a miracle to her home. And then this very woman's son dies and Elijah prays for this boy, this son of this widow that had cared for him and he's resurrected back to life. And he had a miraculous victory in 1 Kings chapter 18 over 450 prophets of Baal, this God that they were bowing to. And he has this extraordinary victory in the midst of barrenness. He begins to declare that there's gonna be rain. And then all of a sudden there's a rainstorm that comes. It's just miracle and breakthrough after breakthrough. And then we're gonna see through our text today in 1 Kings chapter 19, how he experiences a setback that turns to a comeback. 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm going to read a long passage. I want you to stay with me on this because I want to give you some tools that you can put in your hands, some things practically that you can activate even right now today that will turn your setback into a comeback. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1, it says, When Ahab got home, He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Now, Ahab was the king that Elijah had spoken to and Jezebel was Ahab's wife. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. This is the same Elijah that killed 450 prophets of Baal. This is the same Elijah that stands up against kings. This is the same Elijah that's experienced supernatural miracles and provision and breakthrough. This same Elijah, just one setback, just one voice of accusation, just one moment and suddenly he's running for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, travelling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Can you see this setback? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But he was, as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up 
and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Ever felt like you're on your own? Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mehalah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Verse 19, so Elijah went and found Elisha. Elijah went and found Elisha. We see from this passage of Scripture that Elijah experiences this incredible setback. It's just one voice of accusation. Sometimes you can be right on top of things. Your dreams are running in a certain direction. Your plans are going in a certain direction. Your marriage is going in a certain direction. Your parenting's going in a certain direction. And then just one setback. And this setback, Elijah went from faith to fear. He went from taking a stand to running away. He went from experiencing the fullness of life to even desiring death. I want to ask you, can you remember experiencing setbacks where your faith turned to fear? Have you experienced setbacks where, where you previously stood firm, turned into running away? You began to distance yourself from your very purpose and your life began to turn to death. You got disappointed. Maybe you got disillusioned. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe it was your own decisions or someone else that hurt you or disillusioned you. Maybe it was a combination of both and you found yourself in a season of setback. I want to talk to someone today who's willing to see their setback become a comeback. We've experienced the greatest setback and I believe there is a comeback for His church. Every one of us can turn our setbacks into comebacks. Three simple things. Number one, if you want to turn your setback into a comeback, it starts by refueling. We need to refuel. Two times the angel encouraged Elijah to get up and to eat. 
to eat some freshly baked bread and to drink some fresh water. Whenever the Bible speaks about bread, it's speaking about the Word of God and it's speaking about Jesus. This from cover to cover is a message of love from heaven to earth and the message is Jesus. Whenever we talk about eating bread, we talk about digesting the Word of God and spending time in the Word of God. And when we spend time in the Word of God, we're nourishing ourselves, we're growing ourselves and we're spending time with Jesus. We get refueled when we spend time digesting the Word of God. The angel, it's symbolic, this this bread and this water. The angel is saying you need to nourish yourself. You need to refuel for the journey ahead. And we refuel by discovering the promised truths of the Word of God. And in doing so, we discover the abundant life that is found in the person of Jesus. You may be feeling unusually irritated, unusually tired, unusually frustrated. You might even be less active than before and you're going, how come I'm feeling more weighed down and worn? Why? Because we've experienced setbacks. But those setbacks are designed to turn into comebacks. And if we want to see that, we need to refuel. We need to get time in the Word of God. We refuel by spending time daily digesting the Word of God, giving us fresh revelation about Jesus. Have you experienced the setback? Are you feeling weary and worn? Have you lost that spark, that faith, that life? Well, get up and eat. Access the Word of God. Begin to digest the promises of the Word of God. Don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let the enemy take you to weakness. Let the Word of God nourish you. This is why when Jesus taught us to pray, one of the statements in His famous prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. God, give me this day my daily bread. God, as I go into my workplace, give me today a word. That's why I encourage people to start the day in the Word of God. Don't just end the day. Eat before you go. Start the day. Go, God, I'm going into this situation. I'm going into this crisis. God, I'm meeting with that person. I'm reconciling that relationship. God, I pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give me the word that I need for today. There would be people right now that are watching going, sometimes it's just in those daily devotions. I'm so overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God because He gives me the exact verse I need for that moment. That's the power of getting up and eating. We can access fresh bread every day. We can get into a rhythm of daily engaging with the Word of God and finding fuel for our journey. It's more than some religious obligation. There is the promises of God available through the Word of God that we would nourish ourselves, refuel ourselves so we can begin the journey of taking our setbacks and turning them into our comebacks. He had fresh water. John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declared, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Just like Elijah, we have access to fresh bread and living water. And we can get up, we can eat, we can drink. So we can refuel for our comeback. Start turning your setbacks into comebacks by refueling. The first thing Elijah did was refuel. The second thing is we review. Review where we are and review where we're going. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, the Lord said to him, He said to Elijah, What are you doing here, Elijah? He's encouraging Elijah to review. Where are you? 
And where are you going? Elijah had gone off course. Any storm has the capacity to take us off course. We have a destiny in mind. We start at point A, we're going to get to point B, but then a storm hits and we find ourselves diverted. We find ourselves off track, off course. This pandemic is the greatest interruption, diversion and distraction we have ever experienced. I know that for me, uh, especially when I'm in the UK, I travel quite a bit. And when I'm in the UK with our Bristol family there, I'm travelling to the London airport. Some of our Bristol family would know this. Quite often we gather on a Sunday morning when we're gathering there and, and then I literally have lunch. And even though I'm flying very, very late at night, I will leave early. Um, reason being, if you get on the M5 on your way to London, it's very likely that there might be a diversion. And what is a two to two and a half hour drive from Bristol to London could turn into a five, six, even seven hour drive. I've witnessed it. Thankfully, I've been blessed by God in that I haven't had too many scenarios where I've been delayed, but I've witnessed it with some of our teams, some of our pastors there on the ground that would drive us to the airport. There are times when there's an accident. And if there's an accident on the M5, that's outside of your control. There's an accident that's coming up. You will be diverted. It's outside of your control and it's like a setback. It diverts your time, it diverts your plans and you find yourself off track. What I've witnessed with our guys is they will stop and review because now they're headed down a road they hadn't planned to head down. They, they're heading down a road, unnavigated territory. So, so now they stop and they reset. As a matter of fact, if they have a modern navigation system, it will automatically reset because it's entering data all the time into the system. You have to review, where am I up to? You know, this storm, this pandemic, this circumstance may have diverted some of our purpose. For some of us, we may, we may be lost on a road we didn't intend going down. We may have lost jobs. Our business may have shifted and dynamics may have changed. Even for the global church, I believe there is a new day coming for the global church. And yet this, this pandemic has kind of shifted things and shaken things and caused us to be diverted. But we don't need to settle for the diversion. God still has a great destiny for our lives. But we must first review where we find ourselves. Just like when we're driving down that M5 and we get diverted, we stop and go, where are we now? We still got the same destiny. The destiny is we've got to get to Heathrow Airport in London. But now we have to navigate from where we are, not from where we were, but actually from where we are. It's important to discover where we are. Let me ask you, if you've experienced the setback, could you think back to where did our purpose get diverted? Where did our marriage maybe run off course? Where did our parenting lose its way? Where are we at? Where are we at practically? Where are we at right now, emotionally, physically, spiritually, operationally, intellectually? relationally. And we can be honest with ourselves and can I encourage you even be gracious with yourself because this diversion wasn't anything any one of us caused. And so we just got to be honest. It's one thing to say, no, I'm still on the M5. I'm still on the M5. I'm still on the M5. But if we're not on the M5, we're not going to be able to navigate the course. We've got to be really honest. And God is saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, do you realise where you are and do you realise where you need to go? Elijah had gone off course, but God graciously met him right where he was. Sometimes 
setbacks cause us to go off course. And God doesn't want us to be dishonest about where we are. He just wants us to be honest. Where are you? I'm right here. God, I'm struggling in my marriage. God, I'm struggling in my parenting. God, I've lost a sense of purpose and I've lost a sense of life and I've lost a sense of dream and lost a sense of destiny. And God's going, I just need you to be honest about where you are so I can take you still to the destiny I have for you. We don't need to change our destiny. We just need to chart a new course. In 1 Kings 19, 15, we read it earlier. The Lord told him, go back the same way you came. The key to navigation is that the destination remains the focus. The key is that we don't now say, well, I've got, I guess there's a different destiny for me. No, it's still the same destiny, that the destiny remains the focus. Retrace your steps and go back to your God-given purpose. Can I encourage you before this pandemic here, what were the dreams God had put on your heart? What was the purpose God had put on your heart? Can I encourage those that may be finding tension in their marriage, tension in their family, go back to the altar where you said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Maybe you just need to re-engage your vows, re-engage that dream, re-engage that destiny, saying, God, no, we set out to do life together. And maybe there's been setbacks. Maybe we've let one another down. Maybe we've made mistakes. But God, the destiny was always going to be that we would do life together and do it strong and do it well. When God was going to speak to Elijah, there was a windstorm, but God wasn't in that. There was an earthquake, but God wasn't in it. There was a fire, but God wasn't in that. And we've had a year where it's been one major storm, one major earthquake, one major shaking, one major fire after another. And I believe that God is wanting to speak through his gentle whisper. Can I encourage us? Let's be a people that give more airtime to God and His Word than we do to the newsfeed. The windstorm can get our attention. The earthquakes can get our attention. The fire can get our attention. And we're going, God, are you in that? God, are you in that? God, are you in that? God, where are you? And God is saying, no, if you would just set some time aside and spend more time in my Word, there's a gentle whisper, there's quiet direction that I want to be able to give you. 1 Kings 19.15, the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. Elijah is encouraged to get back to his purpose and engage a new process. He was to anoint and empower a new generation. The third thing is we just need to restart. If we want our setbacks to turn into comebacks, we need to refuel, we need to review, and then we need to restart 1 Kings 19, 19, so Elijah went. I know this is really simple, but Elijah could have had all of that. He could have heard the word. He could have eaten the bread. He could have had the water. He could have heard from God. He could have had all of God's instructions. But the only reason he got his comeback is because he restarted. He went. It's a little bit like today. You could be hearing this word and your spirit would be revived and you're eating the bread and you're hearing from God and you're saying, yes, God, God's got a fresh plan for my marriage, a fresh plan for my home, a fresh plan for my purpose. I'm gonna go right back over the words that God's spoken over me. I'm gonna reignite my purpose. I'm gonna go, but we need to re 
start. It's not just restarting our public gatherings. I'm talking about restarting your purpose. I'm talking about restarting your marriage. I'm talking about restarting your parenting. I'm talking about being courageous enough to go, God, I'm going to fuel myself with your Word. I'm going to review where I went wrong and review the destiny that you have for me. And I'm going to restart again. I'm going to go eye to eye, husband and wife. We're going to look each other in the eye and go and say, we're going to restart. I'm going to discover my God-given calling and I'm going to restart, engage a daily Bible reading plan. Activate God's Word. Psalm 32, 7. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you surround me with songs of victory. God's saying, I know that your setback will turn into a comeback. So keep walking. I believe the church is about to make its greatest comeback. I believe marriages are going to make a comeback. I believe families are going to make a comeback. I believe destinies are going to make a comeback. I believe that we can have faith for this because of the greatest comeback of all time. Jesus himself left the perfection of heaven and put on flesh and dwelt amongst us and experienced the greatest setback of all on our behalf. He became sin in our place and took upon himself the sins of the entire world and died a criminal's death on a cross and was buried in a tomb. And just when the enemy thought he had won, three days later, the greatest comeback of all, the stone got rolled away and Jesus walked, the resurrected Jesus walked from that tomb and gives us victory over the greatest enemy of all, victory over sin and victory over death. It was the greatest comeback of all. And that is why we can now have faith that our setbacks can turn into comebacks by simply putting our faith in Jesus. Maybe your setbacks have been decades and decades of addiction. Maybe your setbacks have been years and years of disillusionment and disappointment. Maybe you once served Jesus. Maybe you were once part of the body of Christ and you experienced a setback. Can I encourage you today? Turn your setback into a comeback. Refuel, review. Can I encourage you? Restart. Don't do this journey alone. No matter how many setbacks you've had, simple faith in Jesus is your first step towards your comeback. Can I encourage you as a church? Let's turn this setback we've all experienced into the greatest comeback of all time. I believe Jesus is coming back for a magnificent bride. I believe it's just like we see setbacks that turn into comebacks. I believe the greatest days are ahead of us. I believe the greatest reach is ahead of us. I believe many of you are going to find purpose, destiny, life and favour yet again. I believe marriages can be stronger than ever before if we will just simply put our faith in Jesus, if we will refuel, if we will review and if we will restart. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of the comeback. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you that you are with us. And I pray over every individual. I pray over every family, over every household, over every person that's been disillusioned, over every person that's struggled with addictions, over every person that's experienced setbacks. I pray that there would be a comeback. And I pray that as people put their faith in you, that it would be the greatest comeback of their life. I pray that your church would flourish. I pray that this would be a day of miracles and of breakthroughs. I pray that many would turn from their old life and turn towards you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www 
www.thrivechurch.co.za.